Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And Happy New Year! I know it's already January 5th, and if you've been missing Virtual Legality, I do apologize for that. It was always my intent to take the holiday week off, but then me and my family did get struck down with a little something on the illness side of things for the Christmas holiday, and frankly, I'm just now recovering enough to even do this video. But a number of you reached out to me to ask about this particular story, and I looked at it and I said, hey, we can definitely talk about that in virtual legality. And my apologies in advance if this proves to be one of a sporadic number of videos in the next week or so as I continue to try to climb out of the illness pit and otherwise triage my work, day job, and videos for you all. But on your screen right now, you can see an article from Charlie Intel, which is a website that specializes in, I believe, Call of Duty news. And it's headlined, Activision Files Lawsuit Against Notable Cheat Provider, Engine Owning. And they describe this as follows. They say, cheating is a major issue in Warzone. And despite the introduction of the ricochet anti-cheat system, hacking is still running wild on Caldera. In fact, these cheaters are so brazen, they've started to actively mock developers Raven with their in-game names. It should come as no surprise that Activision are trying to shut down these cheaters for good. And the publishers of Call of Duty have once again filed a lawsuit against a site that distributes these hacks. And very thankful to Charlie Intel, they put a link to the actual lawsuit in their article. I'm always so appreciative of that for you journalists uh, that talk about these things. It's always so helpful for folks like me that want to analyze the primary documents, the source material in things like this. And you heard reference to the fact that Activision has done this before. In fact, a number of publishers have looked at trying anything to get cheating and cheating systems off of their platforms. In this case, primarily Call of Duty Warzone, although there are references to the other Call of Duty games made in this lawsuit. And a number of you came out and reached out to me and said, hey, is this a slam dunk case? It looks like a slam dunk case. It looks like they have a pretty good complaint here. What, if anything, do you see here in this lawsuit? And I will tell you, we see in this complaint three things that Activision alleges. One, trafficking and circumvention devices. Two, intentional interference with contractual relations. And three, unfair competition, which is a phrase you've probably seen a number of times in virtual legality. It's one of those special California laws. It's in fact exactly what Epic Games won on against Apple before the injunction that they won was held pending the appeal that is going to take a couple of years in that particular case. And just looking at those, I can tell you one is the strongest. One is not quite as strong, but probably still a pretty good case. And the other is California law. And who knows what the judge is going to decide in that particular instance. That one that is the strongest is the trafficking in circumvention devices. You may have heard us talk about this particular bit of law in virtual legality before, but this is actually the DMCA. The DMCA is not just for YouTube takedowns and abusive communications between YouTubers that really hate each other over New Year's. It's in fact about a lot more than that. And one of the things that it's about is the prevention of technology to circumvent other technology. And if that sounds a little Byzantine, I don't blame you. We'll be talking about it more fulsomely, but that's the one that's almost a definite win for Activision here. The intentional interference with contractual relations, probably also a pretty strong case. We'll talk about that as well, but not as obvious as the circumvention devices kind of concept. So let's take a look at what they say. They say Activision seeks to put a stop to unlawful conduct by an organization that is distributing and selling for profit numerous malicious software products designed to enable members of the public to gain unfair competitive advantages, i.e., your honor, to cheat in the COD games. That's Call of Duty to you and I. 
These ongoing activities damage Activision's games, its overall business, and the experience of the COD player community. Now, I want to take a step back here just for a moment, because I think this is an important piece of the puzzle and certainly something that the law cares about that maybe gaming fans or other people that just kind of comment on this type of stuff don't care about as much. A lot of folks, I think, see this and say, hey, it's another business. They're putting out cheats. Sure, nobody likes cheaters in their lobby. It does make the game a little more annoying, but they really aren't killing anything. And Activision's a huge company and they can take it. All these various things. The law cares about the fact that Activision went out and made a product. They made Call of Duty Warzone. And in general, the law of copyright, the law of intellectual property in the United States in particular, but other jurisdictions as well, wants to say, okay, you made this thing. We knew that was a risk. You should get the dividends on that thing being out there. And you should be able to control how that thing is experienced so that you can realize those dividends, especially when we're talking about a competitive enterprise like multiplayer gaming, where the experience really can be altered by malicious actors. So when they say something like this, yeah, that's what you put in the first paragraph of a lawsuit, but it's also true. The reason these publishers hate cheating is not because they hate the overall concept. If cheating made them more money, they would be all for it. What they hate about it is that so many of us that don't cheat don't enjoy the experience anymore. And if it gets bad enough, and we've seen this in gaming for decades now, people leave. And that's what Activision says here. It says, hey, people could be driven away from our game due to the actions of this company. That means that we should be able to get some form of legal redress. They are not wrong. Continuing. Engine owning, which this lawsuit calls EO, which reminds me of Walt Disney World, but that's fine, is a commercial online business enterprise consisting of a German business entity and numerous individuals. We'll talk about that German concept towards the end of this video. Via the EO website and other related websites and social media accounts, EO and numerous affiliated individuals and resellers sell cheats for numerous COD games. The cheating software enables players to manipulate the COD games to their personal advantage. When players use exploits like the cheating software, such conduct disturbs game balance and in many cases leads non-cheating players to quit matches in frustration. Widespread cheating also can lead to negative social media posts and headlines in the press, which can impact consumer confidence. Accordingly, Activision has spent and continues to spend an enormous amount of resources to combat cheating in its games. Notwithstanding those efforts, defendant sale and distribution of the cheating software has caused Activision to suffer massive and irreparable damage to its goodwill and reputation and to lose substantial revenue. Now, that's what you have to say in a lawsuit. I know a number of you in the comments are already typing up your comment about Activision not having any more goodwill or reputation to lose after the last year or so of press coverage of that company. Certainly, it has been damaged by things outside of cheating within Call of Duty Warzone, but... There is still some kind of reputation there. And ideally, if you're Activision, you'd like that reputation to be, we run a clean shop, we get cheaters out, and if you come and participate in our Warzone product, you know you're going to get a good experience. And they're saying that the cheating companies that make these exploits available to people are hurting that prospect, and they're being caused to spend money to fight them off, money that they shouldn't have to spend if everybody was following the law. In creating, marketing, selling, servicing, and distributing the cheating software, defendants have engaged in numerous unlawful acts under United States and California law. Definitely one. I think they've got a really, really strong case on this. Defendants have violated section 1201 of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Told you it would be back. By selling, importing, offering, providing, and otherwise trafficking in technologies that circumvent or evade anti-cheat technologies used by Activision to protect the integrity 
of the COD games. So if we look at the entirety of the DMCA, first of all, you'll fall asleep. You'll be bored to tears. It's even more than the sections that we've talked about in virtual legality. But one of the things that was added that these game companies and publishers and media companies in general like to use is a provision that says you can't do something to get around how we try to protect our digital copyright. So this law that they just pointed to says no person shall manufacture, import, offer to the public, provide or otherwise traffic in any technology, product, service, device, component or part thereof. Basically everything that you can think of that is primarily designed or produced for the purpose of circumventing protection afforded by a technological measure that effectively protects the right of a copyright owner. Or where Activision's actually going to point you has only limited commercially significant purpose or use other than to circumvent protection afforded by a technological measure that effectively protects the right of a copyright owner, which is all legalese, right? And you can already catch a couple of the elements necessary here. One argument that you can make against any given technological measure is that it wasn't effectively protecting a party's copyright. You could get in there and bring to the court some kind of complaint that Ricochet or whatever other anti-cheat software they're using effectively doesn't work. And they knew it didn't work. And you'd have a whole bit of discovery about that. That isn't terribly effective in most instances because having a methodology that should work and they just get around it isn't enough to get you out of the application of this particular law. That would defeat the purpose of the law, right? If it If it's hey, I hacked in, so therefore it's not effectively protecting you, so therefore I'm not violating this law. This is a whole lot of wind that does absolutely nothing. And in general, the court system is against taking a congressional act and saying, well, this doesn't mean anything at all. Not always, as we've seen in the past 24 months or so. But that's what Activision wants to point you to. And it's a pretty clear-cut case. We're going to see the facts that they present, but they use anti-cheat software. It may be of limited effectiveness due to the frankly, the talent of cheating companies like the ones that they're suing here, but it's intended to effectively protect their copyrighted material, which is Call of Duty Warzone. Nobody's really disputing that. And they sell access to getting around the technological measures that Activision has devised to protect themselves. And that's a pretty clear-cut violation of this DMCA provision. Now, there could always be defenses, but this is a very strong case that Activision brings. Then we get into a little bit weaker as we go down. It's essentially strongest, less strong, least strong. So the next argument they introduce is effectively interference with the contracts they have with their own players. Defendants also have knowingly, intentionally, and maliciously interfered with and disrupted the contracts Activision has with its customers in the United States, which explicitly prohibit the exact type of cheating that defendants enable, encourage, and solicit through their cheating software. So here, and we'll see Activision say this a little bit more specifically outside this introduction, they're saying, look, everybody that signs up to play Warzone agrees to our terms of service. God knows virtual legality has gone over probably even the Warzone terms of service throughout our 600 episodes now. And when you look at those in every single case where you're operating in an online environment, you'll make certain promises about what you won't do with the software. You won't reverse engineer it. You won't break in and put a virus in there that affects our servers. You won't cheat. You won't use bots. You won't do other things that negatively affect our service that we're providing to other players. And that's a contract you've entered into with Activision. And yes, for the most part in the United States, an end user license agreement, a terms of use document is going to be enforceable, especially on something like this, which is foundational to the product that the copyright holder is looking to market out to various customers and players alike. So here they're saying, 
by selling cheats, by marketing the fact that you have made cheats available, you are inducing our players to breach their contract with us. You are maliciously interfering with our contractual relationship. And I said, that's not as strong as the Digital Millennium Copyright Act claim because it's not as clear that there's an inducement happening. I think it's probably still a fairly good argument. And we'll take a look at why when we look at the California jury instructions for this particular claim. But it isn't as definitive as, hey, we've got a technological measure that you've circumvented. You're pretty much done from there. Finally, they finish off with defendants not only know that their conduct is unlawful, but they engage in that conduct with the deliberate intent to harm Activision, its businesses, and its player community. And this will lead into their California unfair competition claim. Now, if we're giving the cheating merchants the fullest benefit of the doubt here, one thing I would argue is I would say, well, we're not really operating with a deliberate intent to harm Activision. What we're operating on is a deliberate intent to make money. In fact, if we could sell our cheating peripherals and aimbots and shoot bots or whatever else you call these various things, and I apologize, I'm not in the market for them, then if we could do that without harming your product, we would be all for it. In fact, that's exactly what we would probably do. We don't want to kill the host, as it were. But that's in fact not what, what is happening. And I think Activision is making these kind of claims. We'll see these in a couple of different places in the lawsuit in order to try to get punitive damages, special damages, exemplary damages, those damages that aren't just restitution for the money that the cheating folks have made here. It's not just the loss of funds that Activision has spent fighting the cheating software. It is, in fact, something more that the United States courts could impose that says, no, this is a really bad thing and you shouldn't do it. That's the introduction to what their claims are. You'll also see here, I mentioned that this EO appears to be a German company, that one of the things that Activision tries to establish pretty fulsomely is that they have jurisdiction here, that the court in question can, can have this claim, a United States federal court in California says this court has personal jurisdiction over defendants because they have purposely directed their activities at the United States and at California in particular. Defendants conduct extensive and ongoing business with users in the state of California and the United States. For example, defendants display all of the text of their website in English, parenthetical US, offer special sales around US holidays such as Halloween and Black Friday. Pretty sure Black Friday is a US holiday. I'm not as positive about Halloween and provide customer service in English. In fact, Defendants boast on their website that they maintain at least two servers in the United States, including one in California. And if they own that server, that's probably going to be enough nexus to California alone, despite all the rest of this stuff, to say, yes, the court in this particular case can look at this. It's obviously a technical kind of proceeding, but I think Activision can pretty easily make this claim. So one of the questions we're going to have, which again, I'll answer at the end of this video is, okay, say Activision wins, what can they actually do with a court order here? And that's one of the reasons why you don't see this happening as often as you might otherwise. They then describe the parties here. Activision is informed and believes, and on that basis alleges that defendant Valentin Rick, aka Skyfail, quotes Rick, is an individual residing in Germany who founded the corporate defendants. Activision previously contacted Rick in 2018 and 2020 regarding his involvement with EO and the EO website. And in response, he claimed to have sold the EO website to an unknown purchaser. Rick has never provided any evidence that such a sale took place. And Activision is informed and believes and on that basis alleges that Rick has continued to manage and operate EO. Which just goes to show you, you can't trust folks named Rick, right? And Activision actually goes on for pages here trying to identify and otherwise uh, informs, believes, and alleges, etc. 
a number of the folks affiliated with EO, they don't really have full information on these guys, as you wouldn't expect. They also reserve, as we've seen in California lawsuits, that they don't know what they don't know. The true names and capacities, whether individual, corporate, associate, or otherwise, of the Doe defendants are unknown to Activision, which is therefore sued said defendants by such aliases and fictitious names. And then to finish off this section, we see what we've seen in a number of other California cases of this type, where Activision effectively alleges that they're all agents of each other. They're all complicit in the acts of one another. And so they're just trying to hit the EO organization on the whole. So that's the baseline. They add a couple of facts. They tell you a little bit about Call of Duty. The revenue Activision generates through Call of Duty Warzone comes exclusively from sales of virtual goods or seasonal battle passes. And if players perceive that a game is unfair, including because others are cheating or have an unfair advantage, players may grow frustrated with the COD games, becoming less interested in playing and supporting them, which, again, is legitimate. It is not possible to play the COD games online multiplayer modes without installing Activision's anti-cheat technologies. And upon first playing the COD games and beginning installation, users must expressly manifest their assent to Activision's terms of use by clicking through. And among other provisions, by assenting to that terms of use document, users expressly agree not to use, develop, host, or distribute cheats, automation software, bots, modded lobbies, hacks, mods, or any other unauthorized third-party software in connection with Activision's games or engage in any form of cheating, boosting, or booting. None of which I think are actually defined in their document. I believe I've commented on that before, but for purposes of this particular lawsuit, those definitions aren't really necessary. Then they try to frame out exactly what EO and EO website do. It says the following features are offered for each of the cheats for Call of Duty Warzone and Modern Warfare. Aimbots, which automatically snap the cheating player's aim to an opponent. Trigger bots, which cause cheating players to automatically fire their weapon when aiming at another player. ESP and 2D, 3D radar, which allow the cheating player to visualize opponents within the game in a way that destroys the integrity of the game. Just doesn't, doesn't mitigate it, doesn't damage it, it destroys it. Various methods and exploits designed to avoid detection by anti-cheat software, as well as the ability to hide cheats from video recording software. Sure, I mean, much like they get Al Capone at the IRS level, if you're going to cheat, you're probably going to also adopt some things to prevent Activision from seeing that you're cheating. Defendants provide extensive and ongoing customer support and technical assistance, including through the forums on the EO website. Honestly, if this wasn't a lawsuit, this is almost an endorsement of the level of support that EO and the EO website provide to their customer base. Activision is informed and believes, and on that basis alleges, that in order for the cheating software to operate with the COD games, the cheating software necessarily includes technology that primarily is designed to avoid, bypass, evade, or otherwise circumvent Activision's anti-cheat technologies. Accordingly, each time defendants sell a license to the cheating software, they are trafficking in technology that controls access to the COD games, which remember, is all you need to have done to find yourself on the wrong side of that DMCA provision. Defendants specifically and aggressively advertise and promote the cheating software as having been designed to circumvent Activision's anti-cheat software, including, they, they put this picture here, supported anti-cheats, Battle.net supported Call of Duty anti-cheat, secure warning. If you make your cheating obvious, you could get manually banned. Activision's got a pretty good case on the circumvention part of this particular lawsuit. And then they swing back around for the terms of use document. Each time a player uses the cheating software to cheat in the COD games, he or she also violates Activision's TOU. Accordingly, Activision is informed and believes and on that basis alleges that as a result of defendant's conduct, at least tens of thousands of breaches of these contracts have occurred. Now we've got a problem here with this particular case and that is this notion that somebody that wants to cheat in Call of Duty Warfare 
wouldn't do it if the EO website didn't exist. That they've decided, hey, they want to cheat, but EO doesn't exist. They don't think they can cheat, so they won't cheat. And certainly on the margins, that's true. On the margins, if every cheating purveyor went away, there wouldn't be as much cheating. There would still probably be individuals that figured out how to break in and do various things with the software. But if it wasn't mass marketed, it wasn't sold to everyone else, then fewer people would be cheating. That's accurate. But under the law, to put that on one specific provider of the cheats, as if their sales of these things are making cheaters happen, is going to be a tougher step than just simply pointing to the DMCA and saying, yep, that's a bit of code that circumvents our technological measure, Your Honor. And that's why this is a strong case. It's a good case that Activision brings, but it isn't as much of a slam dunk as that DMCA complaint. Activision is informed and believes and on that basis alleges that defendants are fully aware that the use of the cheating software violates the terms of use. The cheating software has no purpose or function other than to enable players to violate the terms of use by using cheats and exploits. And by their conduct, defendants have caused and continue to cause serious harm to COD games and to Activision. Such harm is immediate, massive, and irreparable and includes, but is not limited to, the following. Defendants irreparably harm the ability of Activision's legitimate customers to enjoy and participate in the online experiences carefully created by Activision. Defendants knowingly and willful misconduct has forced Activision to expend substantial resources attempting to remediate the damage caused by the cheating software. And defendants' conduct harms Activision's reputation and results in the loss of significant customer goodwill, which would be difficult to unwind from the loss of significant customer goodwill otherwise happening with the company that is to be acknowledged as well. So what does that bring us to in terms of law? Count one, trafficking in circumvention devices. And they repeat everything they said above. As a result of the foregoing, defendants are offering to the public, providing, importing, or otherwise trafficking in technology that violates 17 USC 1201A2. And Activision is entitled to injunctive relief. They're entitled to have the judge tell that company to stop and Activision is entitled to defendants' profits attributable to their violations of 17 U.S.C. 1201 or is entitled to the maximum statutory damages in the amount of $2,500 with respect to each violation by defendants. And if we go and we look at how this is actually framed out, it's, it's done what Activision says here. It says the court shall award to the complaining party the actual damages suffered as a result of the violation and any profits of the violator that are attributable to the violation or statutory damages, which in this particular case would put us at a maximum of $2,500 and a minimum of $200 as the court considers just. As you see here, Activision doesn't really have any reason to say this. They just say it should be the maximum, which is exactly what you plead in your complaint document. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the court could look at it and say, yeah, it shouldn't be 2,500. It should be a thousand. It should be whatever we decide it to be if you're going to take the statutory out here rather than the profits of the company. Count two, intentional interference with contractual relations is an interesting count. Unlike count one, where you see reference to the DMCA, section 1201, section 1203, all these various references. If you look at count two, you don't actually see a legal reference. You would think you'd see a reference to California law here, but you don't. Instead, you just have a reallegation of everything they said above. In order to install and play the COD games, licensed users in the United States first must assent to Activision's TOU. Activision's contracts with its users are valid. Each time a purchaser of the cheating software uses the software in connection with our games, they breach the TOU. And Activision is informed and believes, and on that basis alleges, that defendants are aware of the existence and terms of contracts between Activision and its users. Specifically, defendants are aware that the TOU prohibits players from using the cheating software. Nevertheless, 
defendants intentionally encourage and induce users of the COD games to purchase that software, knowing that the use of these products by their customers is a breach of these customers' contracts with Activision. So what you have to do is you have to look at this and say, okay, well, what law are you alleging has been violated here? And it would appear to be California. And if you look at the intentional interference with contractual relations tort claim, the jury instructions for such a claim in California, you get the following. The plaintiff here, Activision, claims that EO intentionally interfered with the contract between Activision and the players. To establish this claim, Activision must prove the following. One, that there was a contract between Activision and the player. Two, that EO knew of the contract. Three, that EO's conduct prevented performance or made performance more expensive or difficult. We saw that alleged, right? That Activision has to spend money fighting cheating and Activision has a responsibility to deliver a product that is of a satisfying experience to the customers that they've entered into a contract with. Four, that EO either intended to disrupt the performance of the contract or knew that disruption or performance was certain or substantially certain to occur. Activision doesn't appear to be alleging the first of those particular choices. They appear to be alleging the second. Not that EO is deliberately aimed at hurting Activision's contractual relations, but instead that they know what they are doing by selling cheating software will result in a disruption of performance of, that is certain or substantially certain to occur, in this case, from the player's side of things, right? Five, that Activision was harmed. Again, that's from the amount of money that they're spending trying to fight it. And six, that EO's conduct was a substantial factor in causing Activision's harm. So that might be the most difficult part of this particular issue. As I kind of framed out a little bit earlier in this video, one of the things Activision would have to show to bring this claim is that if EO just suddenly didn't exist, that cheating would stop on Activision's game. And we know that wouldn't be the case. So that could be a particular issue there. And, and certainly you can bring up metaphors and analogies to your heart's content. If you have a contract with your apartment building that says you won't have a gun on the premises, does the gun shop owner have some kind of liability to you for making guns available that you bring in and breach your apartment contract? The answer to that would be no, in most circumstances. There could, there could always be fact patterns that a law professor could throw out at you that would make that a yes. But the answer to that would be no, in most circumstances. And if we think about what EO is selling, if they were of general applicability, if these pieces of software could just be attached to any multiplayer online game, and they were just allowing cheating of a kind of general nature, then looking at that piece of software, you'd say, well, we're out here. We don't really care about any specific contract. We're not aimed at any of these things. Yes, we kind of know that disruption or of performance was certain or substantially certain to occur because you're trying to lock these things out. But we don't know. We're not reading through all these terms of service contracts. And also, we aren't a substantial factor in the entire market of a cheating industry. So that's one of the things that Activision has to fight against. As I said, I think they still have a pretty strong claim here because I think they can make the arguments and say, well, we don't have to bring in everybody all at once. You're obviously a substantial purveyor of this piece of software. We want to stop this. And this is a legal mechanism that we can choose to do it with. I just think that this is a weaker argument than the simple DMCA technological circumvention claim. And one of the reasons they bring this is that this draws in punitive damages in a way that the DMCA claim does not. So lawyers are always looking at a lawsuit and saying, what can we throw at the wall here? What can we bring up 
that gets us the most possibilities for redress because not only is that good for our litigation should it come to it, that's good for our settlement discussions if that were to happen. Paragraph 69, defendants have unjustly obtained specifically identifiable property consisting of all the proceeds attributable to the sale of the cheating software in the United States. Defendants are guilty of oppression, fraud, or malice, and Activision, in addition to its actual damages by reason thereof, is entitled to recover exemplary and punitive damages against defendants. And they don't really frame this out completely about what they mean by oppression, fraud, or malice here. Certainly doesn't appear that EO is committing fraud on its own customers. In fact, Activision has a couple of paragraphs that talk about the fact that EO has wonderful customer support as an, and it is actively engaging in circumventing their technological measures through that support. So they appear to have a fairly good relationship with their own customers. Oppression is a bit of a legal term of art. I don't know exactly what it's aimed at. These phrases are all designed just by statute to get you to punitive damages. So this would have to be teased out a little bit further in any kind of actual litigation, but it's designed to get you to be able to say punitive damages here. That's why this count is included and why not why this lawsuit doesn't just stop with the DMCA claim. Count three, the unfair competition law in California, 17200, we recognize it pretty well now here in virtual legality, is the same kind of concept. Once you can nail somebody on a California law issue, oftentimes you can also win unfair competition because, hey, if you're acting unlawfully to operate in a market with some other market participant, then, hey, that's probably pretty unfair. And they kind of go along with each other which leads us to their prayer for relief. This is where they formally ask the court for what they want. They say, we want a preliminary and permanent injunction of the defendants from trafficking and circumvention devices, the United States, intentionally interfering with Activision or its affiliates, contracts with players in the United States and engaging in unfair competition in the United States. They want them to be stopped from operating in this market. Two, they want to require defendants to shut down the cheating software and any forthcoming software that allows players to cheat in any game published by Activision. Three, requiring defendants to deliver to Activision the source code for the cheating software. Four, requiring an accounting of the sales of products that they've made into the United States that infringe on Activision's rights. Five, they want that damage provision in the DMCA, actual or maximum statutory damages. Six, they want attorney's fees. Seven, they want those punitive damages. Eight, they want restitutions of defendants' unlawful proceeds, including an accounting of any and all sales of the cheating software in the United States doubling up a little bit there. And then nine, they want to impose a constructive trust over the proceeds unjustly obtained by defendants. And constructive is one of those legal terms of art that essentially means fictional. A constructive trust is essentially just a court order that sits on top of your bank account and says you're holding this in trust for someone else and you'll hand those over as the court order determines. So what they want here is them to stop and they want money. And the money component is probably not as much of a driver, except for settlement negotiations, as them stopping. Activision would really like to not have to deal with quite as many cheats in their Warzone program, and their lawyers have looked at this and said this is a good way to potentially stop it from happening. And I do think it's a potentially good way to get injunctions that might allow them to protect their United States infrastructure a little bit better. You saw references to the United States here. That's because International law for these purposes doesn't exist. You actually have to go and bring claims in the various jurisdictions, then potentially get them enforced in various other places, which brings us back to that German question, right? Let's say they win entirely. Let's say EO is ordered to disgorge all of its profits and 
they get the maximum under the DMCA. And Activision actually has a pretty big bill that they can put forth. But EO says, well, you don't know where our bank accounts are. They might be in Germany. They might not. Activision could go look for them. But when you've got a court order from California, you actually have to go to find where to attach this thing to, right? And I've pulled up a, a law firm blog here. It says, generally, U.S. judgments cannot be enforced in a foreign country without first being recognized by a court in that foreign country. The recognition and enforcement of U.S. judgments depends not only on the domestic law of the foreign country, but also on the principles of comedy, reciprocity, and raise jacata, which basically means how friendly are the countries? Do they already have some kind of agreement to recognize each other's legal proceedings? And is the court order that you're bringing to us non-appealable? Is this still something that's in process at the United States level? Then we're probably unlikely to enforce it until that's done. Some countries tend to enforce U.S. judgments, and some countries virtually never do. You're probably going to have a little bit more luck bringing intellectual property complaints in the Western European democracies than you are in some other countries around the world. That doesn't make it a gimme, however, because public policy does come into play. For instance, punitive and treble damage awards are generally regarded as excessive and contrary to the public policy of most European countries. And these portions of a judgment almost always should be removed from the U.S. judgment before taking it to Europe for recognition and enforcement. And that's just one aspect of how these things look. So one of the reasons you don't see cheating houses brought up on legal charges like this all the time, you don't see articles about big publishers bringing lawsuits, is that even if you win, there's some difficulty in actually enforcing the thing. So one of the reasons why these lawsuits happen, and a number of you ask me about that all the time, is essentially symbolism. You want to show that if you're going to be operating in our backyard, in our war zone product, then we are inclined to potentially put your head on a spike. And even if we can't go and get that money out of your bank accounts, we can make your life miserable for a time. We can put you through this process and we can let other people know before they even get into this market that this is the kind of company we are. And just because it's difficult doesn't make it impossible. Activision, despite its recent troubles, still has a bunch of money to go after folks like this and still has a bunch of money to go and get investigators and other resources pursuing who these individuals are and seeing exactly who will flip on who and what that will look like going forward in order to potentially make their product and program better. So people ask me whether this was a slam dunk. I think that's a complicated question because yes, I think it's a very strong legal case on the DMCA claim. I think it's a pretty strong one on the interference with contractual relations claim, particularly because California takes a broader approach to that than some other states might. I will tell you that a tort for contractual relations is always a bit iffy. Like a lot of torts, which are essentially legal claims that are brought outside of a contractual or other personal relationship, they're always pretty iffy because there's a lot of judgment calls that have to be made either by a judge or a jury in looking at those particular elements. And then unfair competition is probably going to follow wherever contractual relations winds up. So Activision could well finish this process with a court order in hand, presuming EO never shows up, never comes to court, they get a default order. And then what they do with that uh, is anybody's guess, whether they go and find these people, whether they go and look for German help help in the German courts, other EU courts, British courts, wherever they might find themselves. And that'll be interesting to follow. But that's why Activision does these kinds of things, to get headlines in Charlie Intel, to get virtual legality videos. I really don't think they care about my coverage. In fact, if I had to bet, Activision isn't too thrilled with virtual legality after the last year. But 
they want that coverage. They want it known that this is what they're going to do to cheaters and potentially on the margins to prevent future cheaters from ever happening. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy conversations about the business and law of video games, technology, software, and more, I cannot do it without your support. It is very, very helpful. Please consider supporting the channel at Patreon or otherwise, as listed below in the description to this video. If you just subscribe and tell your friends about this channel, that's also very, very helpful as well. As I said, I can't be positive that this won't be the last video of the week. We are going through a little bit of something at Hogue House right now, but I very much enjoy making these, so I will try to do them as often as I can. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.